All that time spent learning for your investors, it's not wasted time. You might feel like it's a time where you're not getting anything done. And that's how I felt for those couple of years. But at the same time, it, it just makes you so much more prepared when there are investing opportunities. And you really need that knowledge to be investing in this business. If you're not conscious about your investment strategy, you won't end up where you want to be, not financially or as a human. On this show, we interview highly successful investors and share how they overcame limitations to become unstoppable forces of success. If you're ready to learn what it is to be a conscious investor so you can end up where you want, keep listening. Conscious investor, welcome back. Always grateful to have you here. And I want to give you a little friendly reminder about passive investing. Right now, you may have filed an extension on your taxes. If you didn't file an extension, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to come out, but I know it's going to come out right around the April 15th mark. And I just want to encourage you, make sure you file that extension. If you're involved in your first passive investment, you probably aren't going to realize that your K-1 there can be a lag time with that K-1 hitting you. And if you don't know what a K-1 is, that's okay. You are still learning and that's okay. Just set schedule time to talk with me at the Three Keys website in the show notes. But I just want to encourage you. It also doesn't mean that your general partners that you invested with are dropping the ball and that they're lagging. Let's be real. All the CPAs in the world get hit and it's crunch time for them. And so... Be gracious with the general partners that you've invested with. It doesn't mean they're not trustworthy. It just means that they are waiting for the CPA to finish their part so that they can get it to you. So I always encourage passive investors to just make sure, just file the extension. It's not going to cost you anything, but it could really prevent you from having to face some penalties. And if you need help with your taxes, reach out to Melvin at Mode Wealth. He can help you plan that strategy so that you can definitely ethically and above board use the tax code for your favor. All right. I am excited because I am getting to meet TJ along with you. And we started talking off air and I'm like, oh, wait, you know what? We're going to do this full discovery with the conscious investor real time. And so TJ, I just want to thank you in advance for joining me on this episode of The Conscious Investor. Thanks for having me, Julie. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, I mean, in all fairness, I do know a little bit about you. I don't completely stalk people, but I do read up about people. So I'm like, I know just a smidge, but I'd love to hear you are a passive investor. Like me, you are both passive and active, which I love the combination. But you and I both know that a lot of the people that we serve, you know, a lot of the limited partners, they love their jobs. Conscious investor, I know you love your job and you don't want to leave it. You just want to be wise with your money. So can you just tell us a little bit about your passive investing journey and you mentioned that you can relate to that. Like, wow, that sounds a lot like my story. Yeah, absolutely. So started in the engineering space and still work in engineering now. When my startup was acquired, I kind of was put on this route of moving up pretty quickly at a big tech company. And with that, I started to get a bit of disposable income and I had to figure out where to invest that, right? So naturally, I gravitated towards real estate. We all know that real estate is a great way to build wealth. At the time, I thought that the only way to invest in real estate was to do so from an active perspective. So I started looking around at different properties in the area that I lived in and where I was from that I could buy and renovate and lease out and generate some passive income. 
but I figured out that there was a couple of problems with that for me. So okay. um, not only was I living in a expensive market, so I was living in Boston, I was from another expensive market, New York. Those were the markets where I had ties to and where I felt comfortable, but it was very hard to find a deal there. It was also very competitive. I started looking in other markets that were more tertiary to where I was living. So I would drive an hour to two hours outside of where I was living to these other markets where you could find deals. But at the same time, it was taking up a lot of my time. I didn't feel like I had a lot of connections in those markets. And it was around this time that I started to realize that real estate investing, when done actively, it's a business. You're building a business. You need to treat it like a business. And in order to get that off the ground and running and really doing well, you have to invest a lot of time into it. But at the same time, my job was quite demanding. I was compensated well, but it also took up more than 40 hours a week, You know, sometimes as much as 60 hours a week. And it's not something that I wanted to leave. My time was best spent working in engineering and investing passively in real estate. It was around that time where I figured out that passive investing was even a thing. I had no idea that real estate syndications existed. Just through a chance encounter, I met somebody in the business and started doing a lot of research into, into that side of real estate and realized that it was sort of exactly what I was looking for. So started making a number of investments. It was actually around that time I began to pick up a little bit of traction on the active side as well. So I got my real estate license. I bought a small multifamily property. I bought a single family property out of state just because I wanted to continue to try all these different avenues and really make an informed decision on what was best for me. And made about, I'd say four or five passive investments in that first year that I learned about syndications. And it just fit my lifestyle quite well. And the returns I felt were good for what I was looking for. I decided that's where I wanted to focus. So I started doing more passive investments and then I eventually started working more on the active side. I have like so many questions. Conscious investor, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, I've been like looking down, writing notes. Like, (laughs) it's like, I love your story, TJ. So, this is a story that so many of us face. And it's like, wow, what are we going to do with this discretionary cash? Like, we don't want it just sitting there. So, I'm curious, like, you kind of defaulted, like, oh, real estate, duh. Right. And so, why not? Was that something with your upbringing? Did you already have some real estate role models or? It seemed like a lot of people would be like, oh man, I got to like open up a Roth and max that out. And I'm going to go more these other filling in the pockets, uh, you know, okay, I'm going to just feed my 401k or something. So what was the thinking on going real estate versus more the traditional stock route? Yeah. And for me, it was among other things, the time horizon. So I'm 27 and I always felt like I wanted to get to a point of financial freedom before the traditional retirement age. Not because I necessarily wanted to change up my career. And it was more so because I didn't know what I would want to do in 10, 15 years from now. And I wanted to have the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do. So real estate felt like the natural option there, just because the idea of having this cash flow that comes off these properties where your principal is still growing through appreciation, plus the tax benefits that are rolled in. When comparing that to something like a stock portfolio, the volatility of stocks, and don't get me wrong, I hold stocks. I think it's a great strategy for people with a very long time horizon. But um, it just seemed like I can get to my goals a lot faster with real estate. And the barrier to entry for real estate just felt like 
At first, it was steep. You know, there's a lingo to real estate. It takes a bit of understanding. But once I crossed over that barrier, I felt like I was rewarded in terms of access to all these other opportunities that I didn't know about before. Oh my, seriously, it does. Everything that we learn always opens up like an entirely new way. By the way, recently we hit the local ski resort on Fridays. We're an upside down family conscious investor, the adults snowboard and the kids ski kind of backwards, but (laughs) to everybody their own. I was uh, riding the chair last week and happened to ask this person. I'm like, Hey, so what do you do that allows you to be up here on a Friday? And he's like, I retired when I was 38. You know, it's like, okay, let's have that conversation. How do you, I'm like, so what did you invest in? How did that go? You know, cause I, in order to retire early, you really have to be strategic with investments. And so I just want to like give you kudos that it totally works out. And I'm sure that I have a coaching client that is, she was mortgage free by 33 and she's leaving her nine to five by 35. Right. And it's all through her real estate investing. So Yeah, it doesn't have to be 38. And I think that you'll probably even do that sooner. You'll be retired. I don't know, but I can't wait to hear about when you do retire because I think it's going to be a short timeline there. Question, you said, you know, you were interested in cash flow, And so I always ask investors, as I'm sure you do when you're talking with them, okay, what are your goals? Like immediate, I participate in ground up development and I do the light value ads. And so those are two different investor profiles. So, you know, let's talk about the cash flow. What did that look like off your first investments? I always like to, that first year isn't, I mean, like I always just laugh at the first year of the investments and such. So can you walk us through what you were looking for in your investments and what your experience was like? Yeah, it's a good question because when I started in syndications, I really didn't know the difference between the cash flow that a ground up development deal might have, which is pretty much nothing. Nothing uh, for two years. <laughs> right, exactly. Versus something <laughs> yeah. like, you know, your stabilized multifamily, which is going to throw off a bit more cash flow. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't looking at stuff like that. I was really just looking at the equity multiple and the growth and the risk profile of these investments. So mm-hmm. the first deal that I ever invested in, it was a small, 16 unit property, light to moderate value add down in Florida. And the structure of the investment wasn't really a cash flow type investment. It was more so, hey, let's go in, let's renovate, let's uh, see how much we can increase the NOI, and then let's sell the asset or refinance it. And I got pretty lucky on the first one. I met some great people in the business. The total hold time of that asset was about 16 months. The equity multiple was on the investor level about 2.2. Nice. Yeah, the cash flow is pretty much nothing though. But that made me realize that I wanted to focus more on these cash flowing assets because Mm -hmm. while the equity multiple was great, at the same time, it's not something I could really live off of because it wasn't a certain thing. So I started to pivot there. It wasn't consistent. I was just going to interject conscious investor. When we say equity multiple, again, that's like some of the industry jargon. And when you know, still learning about this passive investing experience, it just means how, at what rate is your, not at what rate, but how, are we going to double your money? Are we going to triple your money over the course of this hold? What does that even look like? And so you more than doubled 2.2 your money in less than a year and a half. So imagine this conscious investor, you've put in a hundred thousand dollars into an investment and in 16 months you have $220,000. 
So like, just think about that, the power of this. But like you were saying, hey, is that going to pay, like, is that going to pay my bills like month to month or how is this going to work? And so having that cash flow that more consistent can be better. Yeah, exactly. And then I realized that I wanted a mixture of different types of assets, right? So I wanted some assets that were more cash flow heavy, things like short-term rentals and funds associated with that. I wanted some deals that were more growth heavy, so ground up construction. I wanted exposure across different asset classes. So I stepped out of multifamily and into other things like mobile home parks and self-storage funds. And yeah, the goal was really just to have a big mixed bag of all these different asset classes in all these different markets. So I could almost buy the index of real estate within the US. That's a really powerful way to invest. And I like that you're invested, you know, that you took time to invest in a variety of asset classes. Because there's a lot to be learned. And if you have the ability to be placing multiple investments, I mean, you're really diversifying within the real estate space. And I also agree on diversifying geographically. I think that there is so much power in that versus being tied to a singular market. Definitely beneficial to be in one market, but also like spread it out into multiples. Super awesome. You mentioned you had a chance encounter. I just have to ask. I mean, I feel I meet people everywhere I go. And so I'm like, is this chance or is this just that my subconscious mind is just alerting me to, I need to talk to this person. I also believe that God has amazing plans in life for everybody. So I'm like, what, tell us about this chance encounter. Cause literally that chance encounter sounds like completely changed your life. Like, it's like, maybe that's might be a little dramatic, but it's like, Oh, here's what I was looking for. This is that missing puzzle piece. Yeah, Julie, it's a funny story. So the way I got into this business is I found a wallet on the street right about midnight in Boston. You are uh, kidding. This is a great story. I already love it. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably like a few years back, maybe four years back or so. I was walking home from a friend's house in a neighborhood in Boston. And I came across this wallet on the street, picked it up, wanted to return it to the owner. Turns out the owner of the wallet was an up-and-coming real estate professional with a pretty good online presence. So when I looked him up on Instagram, his profile popped up on Instagram. I was able to get a really good idea of the business that he was building just off of his Instagram page. He probably had 100 to 200 posts at that point, documenting his entire journey on what he was working on really from the beginning, from the first small multifamily he bought all the way up to the 20-unit deals that he was working on at the time. And I just remember thinking where I was at with real estate at this point was I hadn't done a deal yet. I just remember thinking, you know, this is exactly the type of person that I need to partner with. Somebody that has a lot of experience in one particular market. They have been building a business around real estate. So they're investing heavily, not just with their money, but with their time, with their relationships. They have that network and they have the track record to prove it. And I just remember thinking, okay, well, how can I add value to this person other than bringing their wallet back to them? Well, that's a great start. I'll make sure that all the cards and the money are in the wallet. Exactly. You're showing they... some trustworthiness right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I think it helped a little bit and I felt like I had some ammo to ask a couple questions. And the other thing was, I felt like the only other way I could really bring value to this person was to contribute as a passive investor in a couple other deals, you know, and build the relationship that way. Because like I mentioned, I had this W-2 job, we were saving a bit of money and it seemed like potentially he needed a little bit of cash, or at least 
at some point would benefit from that. So one thing led to another. We met up, I, I gave him his wallet. I said, hey, if you're ever looking for partners, let me know. And that just started the conversation. And a couple of touch points later, he started bringing me some deals. And that deal I described to you down in Florida was the first deal that we did together. Okay. That is the coolest story ever. I mean, I've met a lot of cool people in a variety of ways, but like just that's so cool. And I'm kind of speechless because it's that cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you ever hear the quote when preparation meets opportunity? Yes. That's exactly how I felt about that because at the time I had spent probably a good two to three years of my life just obsessing over real estate, but I just couldn't get any traction because of the situation I described. I was looking in these expensive markets. I had this demanding day job, but I was prepared when I saw that opportunity in somebody that I could potentially work with. I had the knowledge in real estate, but I just needed that spark. And yeah, you know, I think opportunities like that come up all the time for people that are prepared. And uh, it's just a matter of if you if you take them or not. And the, this is so true. And also maybe encouraging for you conscious investor to think like sometimes we feel like we don't have the momentum that we want, or we feel like I know when I first started investing in the commercial space, I felt like, oh my gosh, everybody else is going so much further, so much faster. Now I can look back and say, well, it makes a lot of sense. My standards for how I choose and select partners you know, within my company are so high. I want to know you for a year. Well, that's just going to set the clock back an entire year for a lot, you know, but then the momentum comes or taking that time to educate yourself. And then now you have the education, you understand the lingo, you understand how things are. So you can engage conversations in a completely different way. So you're not behind opportunity will come to your door. I mean, there's another quote that's like, opportunity will chase you down. (laughs) So literally opportunity basically chased you down because who can pass up looking at a wallet on the ground? That's exactly it. Yeah. And all that time spent learning for your investors, it's not wasted time. And like you said, you might feel like it's time where you're not getting anything done. And that's how I felt for those couple of years. But at the same time, it just makes you so much more prepared when there are investing opportunities. And you really need that knowledge in order to be investing in this business. Mm -hmm. You really do need that knowledge. You know, TJ knows I was on a call with an investor right before he sat down to record this. And I told him like, sorry, like a minute late, but you know, it's like answering those questions, taking time to explain. And this is not the first conversation. This is maybe the third conversation, just making sure that there is an understanding of what is taking place. How did you learn the lingo? It really started out with podcasts, honestly, because I had a 45-minute commute to work. So podcast there, podcast back, read a whole bunch of blogs on places like Bigger Pockets, which you know everybody knows Bigger Pockets. And then I actually kind of took it a step further. I got my real estate license locally. And when you get your license, there's a couple of tests you have to take and really forces you to understand a lot of real estate terminology. So that helped a bit. And then after that, it's just been practice by doing. So talking with other investors, doing deals. And after a while, it just becomes like a second language. Speaking with terminology that I didn't feel comfortable speaking with five years ago. Now it's like I've been talking like this forever. It does happen very quickly. You know, I want to shift into like when you were knowing now how you got into your first passive investment and everything. It's so fascinating. You find his wallet and you connect up. And so you develop this relationship, which is what I think you and I always encourage with passive investors. Hey, invest with somebody that you have a relationship with. There's trust established. 
Aside from that, you've also invested in other passive investments. How did you find those investments? How did you gain the confidence to say, okay, this, I can trust putting my money in this investment? Yeah. So a lot of it came through referrals, both directly and indirectly. So taking that first connection and seeing who that person was connected with in the world of real estate. And by that, I don't just mean like connected on LinkedIn, but really who's that person interacting with? Who are they partnered with on deals? Who are those people interacting with? And then from there, I kind of realized that a lot of this business is is kind of like this giant web where everybody sort of knows everybody. And the crossovers between people that work together are pretty common. So that gave me a lot of confidence to know that if I had this one person that I really trusted and I had built a relationship with over a couple of years, and he was working with all these other people, and those people also had these online platforms where you could see exactly the progression of their business, the types of deals they were doing, other people that were interacting with them on that page. That was a really good start for me to say, okay, well, this is a real thing. And these people have these reputations that I guarantee they do not want to disrupt or even risk. So that was a big part of it. And then just applying the knowledge that I had learned in real estate to be able to evaluate deals and evaluate markets and filter out the ones that made sense for me versus the ones that didn't align with my goals. There's so much power in that because I want to touch on both. Like you have so much there that I want to touch on. First of all, is just, I love that you understand what a web it is. And of course you do because you're involved, but you know, conscious investor, you might not understand that this pool of active investors is extremely small. Almost everyone knows everyone in some capacity. Somehow we are connected and we know about each other. And so when I mention, and I often do, partnerships come first, it's because just as TJ was saying, your reputation is on the line with who you are aligned with. And so it is always critical. And I really appreciate hearing just from your limited investing experience that you were actually looking at that, like, okay, well, who are they investing with? Who are they partnering with? And what does that look like? Because that's something that I've written about it. I preach it. And like the number one thing I look for is like, like, who are the partners? Who are the who's in here? Because I'm like, got to know who the people are. And then let's look at the market and the deal. Totally agree. Good partners versus bad partners, that'll make or break any deal. It doesn't matter how good the deal is. So I say when I'm investing in a syndication, I'm investing in the people that are running it just as much as I'm investing in the actual business plan. So when you're looking at a deal and what would be your general advice to someone reviewing their very first passive investment, or maybe they've seen, they've had, they're getting the flow of all of their email inboxes, getting the flow of all the deals that are being offered. What are some of the key things that you think they should be looking at? In terms of the market, you want to see positive trends in terms of demographics, employment, economics. So I'd say a dream market would be one that's very landlord-friendly, very business-friendly. You're seeing a lot of investment into businesses in that area. You're seeing positive population growth. You're seeing wages that can support the rents that are being assigned to the deal. And you can pull that data online from a lot of different websites. The BLS portal comes to mind, FRED, which is another economic website. So those are all things that you want to be comfortable with in terms of the market. In terms of the deal itself, for multifamily, I really like investing in deals where we're buying at an exceptional cost basis. Things like, hey, we have market comps in this area for 100K a door and we're buying for 50K a door. 
there's just a lot of margin there for things to go wrong. And for every deal, there'll be things that'll come up that aren't in the business plan. But having such a big spread between what you're buying at and what you're potentially able to sell at tomorrow, that provides a lot of cushion for those things. And then in terms of the team you have, does the business plan support that team? If you have a very heavy construction type project, is the team equipped to deal with that? If you're working in some kind of specialty asset class, does the team have a lot of experience in that asset class? I want the deal that I'm buying and participating in to be as close to like a rinse and repeat type deal as possible for this team. I always look for what's like the X factor of this deal both like the tangibles and the intangibles. Example of an intangible would be the operator coming to me and saying, hey, look, my mom's investing a half a million dollars into this deal or something like that. And I say intangible because it's not really something you can measure, but it's like, okay, if if this operator is that confident in the deal to let their family members put that much money in, then that gives me another degree of confidence in my trust in this person. And then something like a tangible thing, maybe an example of some sort of arbitrage in the deal. You know, we're buying the deal when it has some agreement in place that caps rents. And in a year from now, that agreement is going to come off and all of a sudden the asset is going to be worth a lot more. So we're buying it based on one valuation. We're selling it based on a different valuation. And then lastly, you know, I always want to know what is the big deal killer in this specific, because there's always at least one thing that's like, all right, this is the big risk here. And this is something we need to really pay attention to and make sure that it's mitigated as much as possible before we proceed. Okay. Conscious investor, just when you get home, if you're on the treadmill, if you're commuting to work, you know, whatever you're doing, you need to go back, replay that. And there's your playlist right there. I mean, like these are really critical elements. When I talk with passive investors in their first calls, if you've never invested, we're going to talk about these very things. These it's like, boom, like so well said, TJ. Was there anything else that you think would be really helpful for the conscious investor to know and understand? One other thing when looking at deals is you really want to make sure that the incentives are aligned between yourself and the people that you're investing in. So you want those people to make money when you make money, and they're very likely to put a lot of effort into making sure that the business plan is executed to how it's supposed to be and and honestly, even to outperform that. So that's something to really drill into and, and ask a lot of questions with the sponsors on how they're compensated and how that aligns with your goals. That's really critical right there. And we're not going to get into the nuances of that at this time, because there are so many cool ways to look at this, but I want to encourage you, conscious investor, schedule a time. You can schedule a time to talk with me. You can, and TJ, let's give them your information also, because they're probably resonating with you like, man, it's a go-getter. I want to talk to TJ. (laughs) So what's the best way for them to connect up with you? Yeah. So my website's burnscapital.co. That's my active business is Burns Capital Partners. We help busy professionals to invest passively in real estate. Our focus is mostly people in the tech field, which is my background. You can also link up with me, TJ Burns on LinkedIn. Awesome. Conscious investor, make sure that you make that connection and check out what he has going on. This is really important. You know, I only offer two to three deals a year. I'm very picky. I'm very meticulous. Sounds like TJ is also. And so I'd rather have, you know, three keys investments would rather have fewer deals that are actually super solid versus having a bunch of deals that are mediocre and we're constantly putting fires out. That's just not cross and check off the sleep at night policy that we all have as conscious investors. So there is always an element of risk when we are investing. However, we can mitigate so much of that risk just by positioning an asset 
in the correct way and not jumping into a whole bunch of deals. Okay. So you don't, don't spread your income too thin. That's just really not going to work out well for you. You want to be in really well-played deals with solid teams in the right markets with the business plan that can back everything up. If you want more information on that, make sure schedule a time to talk with me. You can do that in the show notes. And the reason is, remember, we've got to check off that 506, the SEC requirement. And I'm just going to touch on that for just a brief moment, Conscious Investor. We've made a very clear decision at Three Keys Investments, and we've decided we're not going to be offering 506C for accredited investors any longer. We've had one and it's fine. However, remember, we want everyone to have access to personal and financial freedom. And we realized that the 506C offering does not align with our values. We want access for everyone. And so by nature of that, if you're an accredited investor, you get to come into the deals. If you're a sophisticated investor, you can come into the deal. However, sophisticated investor, we have to have a conversation first. So if you don't even know the difference between accredited and sophisticated, that means that we need to have a conversation for sure. Okay, so just make sure that you schedule a time so that we can discuss your investment goals. Until next time, Conscious Investor, live big, love bigger, and do great things. A lot of people missed out on my recent offering because they simply weren't on my investor list. Being on my newsletter list won't provide you with access to the deals I have. This is because 506B regulations require you and I actually discuss your investment goals before I can show you the deals I have. If you're on the fence about investing in apartments, schedule a call today at threekeysinvestments.com. If you think you're new, so you don't want to be on an investor list, you're missing out on opportunities to refine your ability to review offerings because you simply will never see them. So head over to Three Keys Investments and schedule a call. 